Lighthouse Live is pre-recorded before a live audience. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you, Pastor Mike Douglas here. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, and a big thank you to all of you listening around the country on the Lighthouse Live podcasting network, and those of you actually listening overseas. Great to have you with us as well, especially inspiring uh, program tonight as we look at community partnerships, community agencies coming together to uh, meet the needs of the homeless and some of the deep needs in our city. Before we get to that, though, uh, Elaine Harlan, our co-host and producer with us, also our um, faithful intercessor, our prayer intercessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl with us as well, and of course you. We so much appreciate you being with us here on the Lighthouse Live radio program. Before we go on and meet our guests tonight, though, let's check in for our weekly update from our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. Hey, what's up? This is Michael Tate with news about another real-life Jesus freak. What would you consider the happiest day of your life? Your graduation? Your wedding day? The birth of a child? Listen to these words from Najoli Sajanati in Soviet Lithuania some 30 years ago, spoken on the day she is sentenced to three years in prison for being a Christian. This is the happiest day of my life, she says. I was judged today for the cause of truth and love toward men. What cause could be more important? I have an enviable fate, a glorious destiny. My condemnation will be my triumph. I regret only having done so little for men. Thanks, Najol, for modeling true joy in the Lord. Jesus Freaks Radio is brought to you by DC Talk, the voice of the martyrs, in this station. For more, go to persecution.com. And back with you here on Lighthouse Live. And you know, Elaine, uh, we, we are so blessed mm-hmm. here in America, you know, to have a program like this. And we don't have to worry about being persecuted or executed. We you truly know? are. Isn't that an amazing but Her thing? attitude as she was persecuted was just amazing, wasn't it? You know, it really puts it into perspective mm-hmm. as, as we look at, you know, the, the, the many benefits that we have Indeed. here in this country. And here's someone who's arrested for being a Christian. And she counts that as one of the greatest days in her life. You know, it just puts what matters into perspective for us. Again, you're listening to Lighthouse Live. And uh, again, to put some more things into perspective, talking about um, persecution, but on another level. Uh, this is uh, actually on a legal level. Let's check in for a very interesting update this week from our friend Brad Dacus and the Pacific Justice Institute. Well, Brad Dacus, welcome back to Lighthouse Live. And bring us up to date on what's happening with the Michael Newdow case. Oh, certainly. Uh, I tell you, Michael, this is an important case. Uh, you know, we at, at Pacific Justice Institute are uh, co-counsel with the U.S. Department of Justice uh, defending uh, the, our nation's model and God we trust on our currency. 
And uh, what's uh, happened is uh, we filed a motion to dismiss uh, so for the federal judge to dismiss the case. Um, the judge went ahead and granted our motion to dismiss this case, and, uh, and uh, consequently, Michael Newdow has decided to file an appeal to the Ninth Circuit, and so uh, now it's, uh, it's stage two. Well, and we never quite know what happens with the Ninth Circuit, right? No, we, we never know. Sometimes I am disappointed and sometimes I'm pleasantly surprised. And one thing I've always remind myself is that, um, you know, if God can uh, uh, speak through a donkey, uh, then he can speak through the Ninth Circuit. Amen. So, well, uh, <laughs> and a lot of prayer is needed, isn't it, over this whole issue? It definitely, definitely. And, of course, if the Ninth Circuit comes down adverse adversely to, uh, uh, you know, in this decision and, uh, and reverses the, uh, the lower court uh, dismissal, then um, there's a real good chance that we'll see the U.S. Supreme Court take it up. And you can be assured that if that happens, um, our, our attorney, the Pacific Justice Institute attorney, will be arguing that uh, in court uh, before the Supreme Court. we have any idea on the timeline, uh, Brad, with the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals? No, I, I hate to speculate. Sometimes it can take a long time, and sometimes years. Um, I've seen it even happen uh, before they've heard a case. So, um, but uh, it's just—it's really uncertain, and we're—we just don't know. Well, Brad, we so much appreciate you uh, standing in the gap, you and the Pacific Justice Institute. And remember, friends, you can contact them at one triple eight three zero five nine one two nine. That's one triple eight three zero five nine one two nine. Or their dynamite website gets better all the time, Brad. You do a great job with it. www.pacificjustice.org. Brad, thanks so much. We'll look forward to talking to you next week. Oh, thank you. I'm looking forward to it, too. You know, Elaine, as we listen to that, one of the reasons we do what we do is to make the church and the message of Christ relevant to the community. And if you sit inside your four walls and you ask people to come in, you're not being relevant. You know, I think one of the greatest ways to fight Michael Newdow is to get off our rear ends, get outside the four walls of our homes and our churches, and go serve people in the name of Christ. It works. Because that undoes what he's trying to do in a very dynamic way. And so, you know, it doesn't cost any uh, money. We don't have to go to court. We just have to sacrifice a little time and effort, don't That's we? the best way to fight that battle. Well, we have some volunteer uh, opportunities for you, dear friends, from the Volunteer Center of the United Way, and it's the March of Dimes. They're having a kind of a fun concept in fundraising. You can you can have your friends or your foes thrown in jail or maybe even... Maybe even your boss. I don't know if that's safe for you to do. You know, I, a... <laughs> I, I noticed she had this great grin and said, said that was such joy. I kind of like right? this. I mean, it, it, yeah. it's actually fun. Listen to this. It's the Jail and Bail March of Dimes Fall Fundraising Campaign, and it's going to be held on Tuesday, September 12th at the Hometown Buffet in Turlock and uh, also at the Acapulco Mexican mm. restaurant. So they're going to jail you and feed you very well. You get more than bread and you water. You know, instead so... of bread and water, you get chips and salsa. You <laughs> That's know? a That's my good thing. thing. That's, That's a right. good thing. So anyway, additional events are going to be held uh, September and October in Oakdale, Ripon, Manteca, Stockton, Lodi, and Tracy. The jail and bail is a mock arrest and jailing of willing participants that's kind of key they're willing to do this <laughs> and they get arrested judged and jailed 
Now, these jailbirds are sentenced to one hour in the slammer while phoning potential donors to raise bail in the form of contributions to the March of Dimes Birth Defects Foundation. Mm. So this is just a fun way to do that. Okay, so this is where the volunteers come in. They're needed the day of the event to be drivers to arrest and transport these jailbirds. Hey, maybe my boss. You never know. Anyway, act as court. That's twice you brought that up. (laughs) We're scheming here. So all all kinds of things for volunteers to do, and the drivers must be a minimum of 18 years or older and have a valid uh, driver's license. Mr. Al's chomping at the bit here. Anyway, flexible shifts are available between 7 a.m. and 4 p.m. The March of Dimes works toward the prevention of birth defects and infant mortality through its campaign for healthier babies. So that might be a a fun thing to do. Jail the boss. I kind of like that. Doctors Medical Center, where you can interact with patients, uh, visitors, and staff by joining the Service League. Uh, Junior and adult volunteers are needed in all areas of the hospital to uh, direct patients and visitors, kind of assist the family members in the emergency room and and escort discharged patients by wheelchair and assist staff with errands, or you might stock supplies, uh, make coffee for doctors and families and clerical support. Lots of opportunities to volunteer there. Interested volunteers uh, actually participate in an interview, uh, agree to a background check, and attend a four-hour orientation. So that would be a, a great way to volunteer. And the McHenry Mansion, where you can join an enthusiastic and interesting group of docents who keep the mansion open for visitors. Now, volunteer docents learn about uh, our local history here, become knowledgeable about the later Victorian period, uh, meet new friends, and enjoy numerous social events as well. Those interested are asked to attend the next training series, and that's on Tuesday and Thursday evenings from 6.30 to 8.30, beginning September 5th. Now, they're owned and operated by the City of Modesto and accredited by the American Association of Museums. The McHenry Mansion is a historical site that is open to the general public for tours, and it's the site of many weddings, receptions, uh, and special events. And again, friends, it's about connecting with people. So wherever you're volunteering, keep in mind that that's that's what you're doing. You're uh, meeting people and and, uh, making those relationships. If you have any further questions about any of these opportunities, call Barbara Borba. She's at 209-524-1307, extension 113. Again, 209-524-1307, extension 113. And check out our daily update page on the uh, AVC website, and you'll find that at www.vibrantcommunities.org. That's vibrantcommunities.org. And check out all of the the items there, opportunities, actually, for you to serve and connect, personally meeting uh, the needs in our community. Also want to remind you about the luncheon coming up uh, from the folks at SEPA, and that stands for Stanislaw Elder Abuse Prevention Alliance, the group at SEPA, protecting and helping our seniors. And this is so, so important. An opportunity for you to attend uh, a luncheon coming up on Thursday, August 24th. And the luncheon is from 1130 to 1 at the Salida Library Community Room. And if you would like to attend this luncheon, uh, they would ask that you please RSVP to 209-529-3784, 209-529-3784, Tammy and all of the the fine folks there would be very happy to uh, have you attend that. Yeah, that's great information. And uh, here at ABC, you know, a large percentage 
of uh, the people that we serve are elderly. Absolutely. And a lot of them in circumstances where they are really victims. Mm-hmm. They're alone. They're abandoned by their families. And a lot of types of abuse. Uh, you know, sometimes it's financial abuse. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just encourage you to maybe take uh, advantage of that and uh, get some additional education. You bet. You know, in a, a few short months, it's hard to realize it, but the cold season will be uh, upon us. And our attention and, and some requests for your volunteering efforts also will turn to a location in downtown Modesto at the corner of 9th and D Street, where there's a segment of our population that gets talked about, analyzed, criticized, judged, and, and avoided, as, as is oftentimes the case. And yet, we're talking about human beings, aren't we? People created in, in God's image. And, and uh, you know, all communities have this in common, so we would imagine that no matter where you may be listening uh, to this broadca- broadcast, you'll probably uh, be able to relate to some of the things that we share. And um, for several seasons now, AVC has been uh, partnering with the city, the Salvation Army, and the director of the homeless shelter here in Modesto, uh, Nikki Lane. And we want to welcome Nikki to uh, Lighthouse Live tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me here. And it's just a, a thrill to have you. And Nikki, we're coming into the season, uh, as we say, but the reality is, you know, they're homeless in and out of season. And they, need to, they need to be fed, they need to be clothed, and they need to be sheltered. Why don't you begin, Nikki, by giving us a little bit of the history of how that location at 9th and D Street actually came about? Well, how it came about was that we were looking at the building across the street from the shelter, where the shelter is now. Uh, Janice Keating had backed us in the idea that we needed a shelter rather than a tent city, which was what we were asking Mm -hmm. for. Mm -hmm. And she let us know that it wasn't right to put people in a tent city because it, it was saying that they weren't good enough, which some of us hadn't thought about. We just wanted to see people in a place that was safe and they wouldn't rent the building to us across the street and she turned around and she said well there's a sign right there let's see about that one and the building was empty it had been empty for a lot of years the owners allowed us to rent it the first year and they've since given it to us so the building yeah, is that's now a ours. Tremendous blessing, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yes, Amen. absolutely. I mean, they, they they could have gotten a lot of dollars for that, and that's. I, it's an over. estimate at two point five million dollars yeah, for wow. the building. Isn't that great? Wow! And because yeah. we had site, uh, we had control of the site. We also got a grant just last month, and starting in two thousand and seven. We're going to build an actual shelter in that building. Now we're talking shower facilities and, and Dorm, right, the whole showers, thing, right? yeah. kitchen, yes. everything. Yeah. We think awesome. of how the changes that this building has come through because now for several seasons, and you've been there from the very beginning, as as this thing has been kind of evolving, if you will, into what it is now. It started as just a warehouse, yes. and they put up walls. Actually, uh, one of the contractors here in Modesto volunteered the time and the building materials and everything and put walls up and put heating in and they did six months worth of work in like 10 days mm. and got the shelter open well in the original uh, cots and beds were donated 
from Fort Ord. Fort Ord, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah, wasn't that great? And, that and came they're about. actual beds. They're not cots. Yeah. They're the Army beds. That and that came about in short order as well. I we mean, were at a meeting, and somebody said, I know somebody that has some beds. The community came together and, and got isn't behind that wonderful? the yes. shelter. Yes. Well, and I think this is so significant, you know, at the outset. And, and I know, you know, there are always bumps in the roads, and there are, there's always stuff that's going on. But, you know, the city partnering with the Salvation Army, partnering with the community, and uh, and then, uh, we you know, we were fortunate enough and honored enough to partner with you to start bringing you some volunteers. And it's just great to see that community dynamic taking on. And our thanks to Janice Keating, and you yes. mentioned her name, uh, yes. a councilwoman uh, for the Meadows City Council, for really uh, spearheading, you know, that mm-hmm. part of it. And you do. You need everybody involved. And, of course, you need point people there who really have a passion and, and are sold on uh, on finding an answer, don't you? Mm-hmm. Nikki, a little bit of your history and how God placed this ministry, because it is, uh, on your heart and how he prepared you to have the position that you, you hold there. It, it seems like a million years ago. My ex-husband died homeless here in Modesto, and my son had been married four months, and he came to me and asked for the money to bury his father mm. and it, I realized this child is you know so close to being homeless because if he pays the money back that it took to bury his father he's going to be out in the street and I went down to the park to thank the people that had helped him and found women my age in the park homeless and I was shocked and I wanted to help them out and put a face on homelessness and so when the Loma meeting started, looking into the homeless issues, some of the homeless people and myself went to the meetings and, and just showed them that these people were just like me. Mm. I mean, we weren't working at the time, or I wasn't, my husband was. And um, we're just one or two paychecks away from being homeless. You know, I've heard that, and that's so true, isn't it? Anyone Each that goes us, out on yes. strike, yes. illness, I mean, there are a million reasons for people being homeless and i see them every day Mm. you know we could just dispel some of the myths uh that we hear like they're all drug addicts and alcoholics (laughs) don't we hear that we do don't we and it's you know lee lee oki has joined us as well tonight step on up to the microphone lee we're so glad that you're here as well and and paul hewitt because this is uh, a combined team effort making this thing work nick and and you know we hear oftentimes why don't they get a job? Well, the truth is, many of them do have jobs. Yes. And speak to that a little. Many of them do. Um, it takes two minimum wage jobs to actually pay the rent on even a small, like, studio apartment. Mm-hmm. Most places want three times the amount of rent for your deposit and things like that. And a lot of working people just don't have that. We're not a high-wage community. And we have people that are on Social Security that can't get jobs. So, so there are a variety of different ways that uh, they may cause someone to be out on the streets, you know. And 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 again, as Lane has said, one of the uh, myths that everybody has mental illness, or everyone is a drug drug addict, or everyone is an, is an alcoholic. And mm-hmm. I think the point here is that as as you begin to work with the population that's affected, you find that uh, they come from every segment of our society. And, uh, and, and really the, the need is there. It needs to be met. And, you know, for us, I think one of, one of the problems that, that we have to admit is the church at large and the Western church has abdicated its role to government. 
really. And government, you know, can do many things well, but taking care of the deepest needs of people is not what government does best. I mean, I thank Janice Keating for everything she's she's done, but it's the human heart meeting the human heart, and, you know, for us, it's reaching out in the name of Christ that really makes the difference and, and, and can bring hope. And I was just wondering, uh, Nikki, if you could just uh, speak to what keeps you there coming every day. What is it that burns inside of you uh, for this population that says, yep, I'm getting up this morning and I'm, I'm taking another run at this and, and, and this is what I'm called to do? I truly love these people. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Many of, well, not many, some of the people have actually gone on, come into the shelter, gone on to work for the Salvation Army. Um, Some of them are my staff now, and they're truly wonderful individuals. And God doesn't make mistakes. They're great people. Isn't that interesting how people who have been served, you know, once they're able, will turn around? They do. And be willing to give, because once once you've been there... And once you've been a recipient, you understand what it means, and you understand, you know, how important it is to give no matter what you have. You have something that uh, you can give for someone else. You, you've seen so many lives change. Did you have a particular thing in mind that you wanted to, to share? It, it's hard story? to share any one particular. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. I wanted to say, though, is that the faith-based community and the churches have kept us going. Mm-hmm. I mean, Good. they've come in. They bring food every single night. Mm-hmm for the 181 or 182 days that were open. They bring toiletries, blankets, pillows. I mean, they so support the shelter. And all of these ways are so important, aren't they? Because it is, again, a team effort. Paul Hewitt joins us tonight. Paul from the Compassionate Food Network. Welcome back to Lighthouse Live. It's so good to have you here and your wife, Carolyn, joining us in the studio audience. Thank you for coming out. And I know you've had a great connection with the uh, the shelter on 9th and D Streets as well. We have uh, enjoyed uh, connecting with the shelter. One thing that uh, it, uh, will surprise uh, folks, if they do come visit, is the seniors that are there. Mm, yes. And uh, it's uh, kind of upsetting in a way to see these dear people that have to be in the situation they're in. Yeah. And uh, I'm working primarily in the senior community. love these people very dearly. And they, and they especially appreciate everything you do for them. They're very, very, very... Uh, Responsive, and so those people are uh, very, very close to my heart. Uh, one in particular that we'd worked with, and uh, the, this person had showed up at the shelter, uh, and uh, Nikki was able to uh, assist this person to get into a very safe senior. Uh, residential. It's probably the same person that I'm thinking of that we have all served. Yes. Precious, precious sister in the y- Lord. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, if it was just that one person that we helped, it would be worth it all. Yes. She, she had an incredible story and, and some pretty big needs as well. And Paul, you actually wound up taking her and getting her plugged in to the church you attend. Oh, she loves it there. Yes, yeah. yes. And uh, she just... Uh, Good, good person. Appreciates everything you do for. Her. Um, <laughs> well, back uh, one of my clients died, and and I'd, I got the whole wardrobe, and I took it over to this person, and it it fit her to a T. That's <laughs> great. That was, she was great. Typical. She did, hadn't hadn't had a nice, beautiful wardrobe like this in her whole life. It was nice to be able to give it to her and let her 
enjoy it. Well, you know, Paul, this is something we're going to have to be dealing with as the baby boomers um, come of age. And, uh, you know, the issue, uh, especially now with a lot of the pension plans falling through and, uh, you know, companies having to go back on some of their commitments and, you know, the, the old thing of the, you know, corporation taking care of you, that 50s and 60s mindset is gone. A lot of seniors uh, now getting into their 70s and 80s, especially over the next 5 to 10, 12 years, uh, are, are going to be really hard put to be able to make it, especially with today's prices, and, and all the more reason that the church needs to step up to the plate and take its Christ-given command to love your neighbor as yourself. And as you've seen, uh, Paul, really the, the elder population is one that we're serving all the yes. time, and the needs really run the gamut, don't they? They sure do. And uh, there, there's more of that coming on because... Yeah. They're being squeezed really hard on the housing issue now, especially the little folks that are living in the mobile home parks yes. that have gotten their uh, space rents uh, doubled. And uh, mm. I see some of the parks, they're charging as much as $750 per space per month. And uh, now the senior's stuck because the senior has to pay this. They can't sell the thing because it's devalued because of the horrible prices right. that they're being squeezed. So they're being hit on every every side, uh, utilities, fuel, uh, rent, and they their their incomes do not nearly keep up with anything. They don't. And the other dynamic there, you know, again, a lot of seniors have thought, well, gee, the, the mobile home park is, is the answer for me, you know, and inexpensive. But what happens is as, pe- as people get weaker and uh, some debilitating diseases uh, may come along and, and they wind up having to be confined to a wheelchair or use a walker or whatever, those mobile homes are not disability-friendly. In fact, they're very unfriendly, and it's very difficult to retrofit them because of the way they're made, very difficult to, to make that a place where a disabled person can live. And so they're really trapped. And, uh, again, all the more reason for us to be available and uh, and be out there and, and be willing to lend a hand in, in some way to uh, relieve their pain as uh, as they get older. There's a lot of issues that uh, we don't recognize until we're exposed to them yeah. firsthand. Yeah, yeah and, absolutely. Uh, our, our, we have some, have some good people there that are doing their best. Uh, Brother John sitting over here, mm-hmm. just uh, he knows you. He knows the story because he's right out there every day. That's right. That's right. And it's hard to stereotype these individuals who are in need of shelter and food and clothing. I heard a a startling statistic just the other day that our nation has 100,000 homeless high school students. That's that amazes me. One hundred thousand homeless high school students. So we're talking all ages, everything from the young and I, I, you know, the elementary schools, they have it as well, because we have received calls here at ABC from mothers who are sending their children to school literally from their cars. Sleeping in the cars, in the parks, and and it just breaks your heart. It's just very, very sad. Nikki, you wanted to say? The largest population right now of um, teenagers that are homeless are the ones that are coming out of foster care. Mm. Wow. Mm -hmm. They max out at 18, and there's no services for them, and a lot of times they end up homeless. 
That is incredible. You know, and, and so you've got the young and you've got the old. And basically, on the corner of 9th and D, Nikki, we're, we're talking adults for the most from part. From 18 up. From yes. 18 up. And so we're seeing all of those ages, even as Paul was saying, up into the 60s and, and 70s, an incredible population. How many uh, do we house at the site on 9th and D? A hundred a night. A hundred a And night. last season we had 724 that passed through in mm. 189 oh. days. The difference this year at the shelter being open and the dates that are open, how's that changing? What are we looking at this season? This year it's going to be the same. We'll be open from November 1st to April 30th, but then starting April 30th they're supposed to be building the new shelter. From November 1st till April 30th. And so that means on your calendar, you are probably, as we speak, preparing uh, to to accommodate these people for dinners in the evening. Is that right? I actually have two people that's already signed up to serve Amen. food. And they're, they're serving two times a month. So, well, Nick, let's talk a little bit about uh, that dynamic because <laughs> they, they, they've, they've got to prepare the food at least now, yes. the way it is right now. They've got to prepare the food off site, bring the food to the shelter, and bring all the utensils and such uh, a, a, as well. And uh, you know, after the break, Elaine uh, Lee has a wonderful story. Uh, this angel of mercy yes. uh, through, and you know, the, <laughs> as you hear her story, I, I have to believe that God ordained that the church wasn't available that night because <laughs> he just worked. He worked some true miracles that night in, in in Lee's life to be able to provide food for the homeless. But friends, we just want to ask you, wherever you are, wherever you're hearing our signal right now, there may be a shelter near you. We encourage you to find mm-hmm. out where it is. And again, you know, this is not just about saying hey, I went down there on Thanksgiving or I went down there on Christmas and checked it off my list for the year. I mean, sacrifice some time and go down there, bring some other God-fearing people with you and serve. And uh, as we'll find out after the break, there are just so wonderful stories and great blessings that come from uh, from those experiences. And it's just that easy to do. It's so easy. And you guys, you may remember the hymn that says, this is not my home. I'm just passing through. Probably all sang that in church, right? Well, we know our citizenship is in heaven, and that's the place we're truly homesick for. The Christian group Mercy Me sings their song Homesick Now on Lighthouse Live, and we'll be back with more. You're in a better place I've heard a thousand times And at least a thousand times I've rejoiced for you But the reason why I'm broken The reason why I cry Is how long must I wait to be with you I close my eyes and I see your face If home's where my heart is Then I'm out of place Lord, won't you give me strength To make it through somehow I've never been more homesick I don't understand your ways 
Lighthouse Live. That's Mercy Me from the Undone CD, and that's entitled Homesick. Great song. In fact, the whole CD is I highly recommend. Well, and, and actually, Mercy yeah. Me is going to be in town. Oh, this is a great time. Uh, at the end that. of August. Yes. August, I think it's 26th. Yes. At um, the Monta Vista, Monta Vista Chapel, Chapel in Turlock. Uh, and I don't have uh, don't have the numbers with me at the moment, but I'm sure if you check the website, uh, you can, uh, or call you can tell them. that or call them. And that's, <laughs> that's going to be a great opportunity. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Pastor Mike and Elaine and a, a great cast of uh, guests with us tonight as we are talking with Nikki Lane from uh, Modesto's Homeless Shelter downtown on 9th and D Streets in Modesto. Used to be a great big nut place, wasn't it? Uh-huh. Like where they did uh, nuts and, and things. And, and it's kind of like a radio studio, the <laughs> yeah, nut place. Kinda yeah, kind of like my home. <laughs> Uh, it's just great to have you guys here, and Lee Oki joining us tonight, and Paul Hewitt as well. And, and you know, as we were saying before uh, the song, before the break there, Lee has an incredible story uh, once she became involved with AVC, and we became uh, aware of the, of the need and the fact that the shelter existed and had opportunities for everybody to just literally jump in there and serve dinner seven nights a week while <laughs> Lee jumped in with both feet. And with that, G, uh, Lee, why don't you... Uh, share your story of the first time that you served, one of many. Okay. Well, the first time, Elaine, I heard about uh, what Nikki was doing at the shelter, and and I thought, I can do that. So I called my church, and uh, they said, oh, yes, we'll help you. So about three days before the dinner, I got a call. Well, I called them, and they said, oh, we're busy evangelizing. We can't do that. <laughs> and so I, <laughs> I went to the phone, and I... Um, 
to call and say, well, I can't do this. And I don't know if it was God or somebody grabbed me by the collar and said, you go do this or these people <laughs> won't have anything to eat. So I um, thought, how am I going to do this? And that, that night I was walking. I prayed. And I ran into an old client, and I told her, it was on my mind, she said, what are you doing? I says, well, I have to feed the homeless. And we talked, and then we went on our way. Well, the next morning I got a call, and her husband worked at Save Mart, and he said, you know, we're going to donate whatever you need in hot dogs and buns for this dinner. Mm-hmm. And he says, my brother works for uh, the mother's cookies and and i had got boxes Dessert, of, yay. <laughs> it was it was just amazing i'm telling you i was so in awe and then i went to a restaurant um i was trying to get in and a bread truck had blocked my way oh my and i so i i got out and i said do you have any dale buns and he said <laughs> <laughs> i i must have seen I can imagine the look you got <laughs> nutcase and he looked at me and he said no but i have a whole lot of fresh ones and he oh. literally filled my trunk mm-hmm. you know he just happened to be there huh yeah, Agent, right. oh, yeah. Uh-huh. you know it was i'm telling you it was like the lows and the fishes uh-huh. and i got what i had together which was a tremendous amount of food and i got um i called a friend and and my sister-in-law and the night we were to serve my friend showed up and my family and my little daughter-in-law and all my grandchildren Yes. And you know what? We were so blessed, much mm-hmm. more than those guests that came to mm-hmm. eat. And what Paul and Nikki said really is so profound that when we talked to the people, some had part-time jobs, some had health problems. We They're just like everybody else. And, you know, it's the least we can do is mm-hmm. just to feed people that need food. And so many of them are not there when you go back again. Mm-hmm. So... It was, uh, I think, as I say, I felt more blessed than, than I know than the guests that came to eat. Well, Lee, you just mentioned bringing family along with you. Yes. And one of our board of directors, Pat Chavez, uh, with the uh, um, ABC here, and, and he, oh, I don't know, a couple of times, I think, brought his family down. And Pat never does anything in a small way. <laughs> no. You know, I <laughs> mean, he, and, I and talk about partnerships. Uh, he went down to... Uh, a local uh, restaurant, high-profile restaurant uh, in town, and he said, hey, guys, you know, there's people hungry in our town, and, and uh, hey, you're making a lot of bucks here. You know, let's, uh, let's uh, pony up here. And, you know, so, you know, when Pat gets a hold of you, you've been gotten a hold of. So he, anyway, uh, I think they got, uh, you know, some turkey donated, and, and it was just a, a wonderful opportunity. And anyway, Pat brought his family. And uh, as, as he tells it, one of the great blessings was being able to bring his children Amen. and his grandchildren. Yes. And even in that effort, and it echoes a little bit, uh, Lee, how God uh, networked things in your case, there was a guy across the street, uh, and they needed a pickup truck, and the guy actually donated his pickup truck to help with the process And he was a an bit. unbeliever. And he was not a believer, he that's right. He was a Christian as so, we say. Isn't that cool? God connects the dots, but yes. here's the key. Here's the key. You know, I, it, it, it just uh, annoys me sometimes that we'll say, well, well, we'll pray for the homeless and pray for the hungry that they'll get fed. 
well, God wants to use us, you know. <laughs> we're, right. we're his hands and his, his eyes feet. and his feet. And, his feet yes. and uh, you know, the key here is we have to be available. And if we just make ourselves available, God does some amazing things through us to meet those needs. You know, like Lee said, your eyes were opened, weren't they, Lee? Because you go and you're thinking, well, who knows what one thinks when they go there to serve. And then when you get there, you're talking with them. One of the precious things that we got to do, one of the times that I... I went with with your group, Lee, is pray with them before the meal. And there was just something about that moment. John was there, Lee, Lee's husband, her now husband, and, and Taylor, her, her granddaughter who's here with us tonight. We held hands, and, and everybody found a hand to hold. Uh-huh. And we just lifted every person in there before the Lord now. Who knows? You know, there may be some believers there. Certainly there were some, and, and, and there were some who, who are not. But that was a moment that, that I'll, I'll never forget. That was a wonderful, wonderful evening because in talking with these people and looking into their eyes, you know, they're just precious people made in the image of our Creator. And it's just a wonderful opportunity. Lee in, in, in real estate knows that it's, you hear the, the, the phrase location, location, location. <laughs> well, you know, in, in, in Jesus Christ's economy, it's relationship, 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 yes, isn't it? Is. It? it is. It just, is. Nikki, I have a question for you because uh, we, we get this dynamic, we get this feedback from a lot of folks. Uh, you know, with the best of intent- intentions, a lot of be- believers will go out and, and they'll shove a tract, you know, at uh, someone they find on the street or they'll hit them over the head with the Bible, so to speak, in a figurative way, uh, instead of reaching out and asking them, you know, what they need. What does it say to the homeless when the church actually does something personal and meets a need? Does it send a better message or does it mean a little bit, a little bit more? It not only sends a better message, um, we actually had people when the shelter closed that went into Christian rehab. Is that mm-hmm. right, really? And I wow. really believe it's because their needs were met not mm. just with the beds and, and the food, but right. with the people who, mm. whose lives touched theirs. Amen. Because certainly there are physical needs. We need to eat and, and be clothed and, and, and have some place to, to lay our heads. But there are deeper spiritual needs, like you said, emotional needs. Um, people who don't have others to talk to or visit with. That's that's another huge thing we find out in the community. You see that too, don't you, Lee? Well, I think it's like Nikki and Paul said, that when you get out in the trenches and meet the people, mm-hmm. you know, so we're so sheltered in our daily lives from what is really happening, mm-hmm. I think. So, yes, yes, I think it's just seeing their needs, and, and it, it gives you a whole different perspective. After being through uh, serving several meals now, Lee, you're going through uh, all these seasons of serving and, and organizing, so to say, your team. What advice could you give to others who might be thinking of, hey, my team could do that. I've got friends and family that can do that. What What have you learned? Just do it. Now, who said that? But <laughs> it's true. It. I'll never be afraid again. And if you take one step out, the rest, the Lord will supply, supply the rest. Mm. I have no doubt. Just don't think about it. Analyze it. Just go take the food. Mm. You know, like you and Pat did as you go out into the community and you tell people, you know, you network with your friends. Hey, what are you doing? Like your friend said that to you. Um, and tell them what you're doing and ask them. People, I think, want to serve and want to help. They And sometimes you just ask them, hey, would you like to? And, and they want to do that. And Nikki, you're great. I'm surprised at how often I hear, um, I said I wanted to do this at church. 
church and so and so came across with all this and then this other person in it just all comes together mm, yeah. well paul you know you uh, are another example i mean you've you've got a business going you know you're you're a busy guy and, you and several businesses you do, several businesses <laughs> going. and and yet you know uh, you sacrifice time in the lord's service and god has just opened up brand new vistas for you through the uh, compassionate care network and such and i don't know if i got the name exactly right but uh tell us a little bit uh, paul about what you see as people reach out and just take a little bit of time uh, to personally meet the needs of others one of the needs that is desperate in the in our area and to some degree it's being fulfilled is the people coming out of prison oh, yeah. and uh we we see the repetitive rate at around 85 percent if those folks aren't addressed properly and their needs aren't met so several of the um places recovery homes that i connect with and work with have done a really a wonderful job uh, putting these it's a 24 7 mm-hmm. uh commitment and uh they've uh quietly have been able to do a very effective job uh in a low profile way to help these people that are coming out uh the shelter has its place but uh this is very important because this has to go year round for these folks and uh and it's much uh more in depth it's much more disciplined and uh we do try to uh train these people into um uh jobs uh, one of the recovery homes has uh, been able to develop a nice uh, business we have about 10 of them doing uh, delivery work with mm. trucks now with a Amen. fleet of trucks that's awesome. Awesome. and that's really been a, a blessing because it's brought in income given these men respect in jobs and responsibility that maybe they've, some of them never had before. Well, and the, there's a whole different worldview. There's a whole different paradigm behind prison walls, a whole different culture. And when you come out, you know, you're faced with a very, very foreign culture uh, that can be scary and uh, unfriendly, unwelcoming. And to have that type of uh, opportunity, you know, to have the resources that are willing to help you out, and then to have those uh, uh, homes where you can go and, you know, with some tough love, you know, learn how to mainstream back into uh, this side of society. Man, that that is a major important thing. You're right. Absent that, the recidivism rate is just absolutely through the roof. And, it's terrible. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a- absolutely incredible. And so we applaud you, uh, Paul. Yes. And uh, your your part in in helping that population. You know, these these people that we see, they're they're scary. I mean, they're just terrifying looking. But when when you get to know them, they are really right. neat folks. Yep. Very few of them are are violent, dangerous people. Uh, vast majority of the folks that we work with are just like you and I. Made some bad choices. Really have done some really stupid things. We probably terrify them with what yeah. we're doing, too. <laughs> we're, with the, we're with the homeless shelter. We'll be back with lots more right after this. Deep needs, deep hurts, spreading far beyond the government's ability to help. Children, single moms and dads, the elderly, disabled, the homeless. Yet, thousands of resources that can meet those needs are sitting right now in the pews and seats of our churches. The challenge? Activating those resources and connecting them with the people in need. 
We have a proven solution, advancing vibrant communities. We bridge the gap. We connect people and churches with opportunities to serve the needs of their neighbors. Pure, simple, proven effective, advancing vibrant communities. What's our motivation? Jesus' command in Matthew 22:39 to love your neighbor as yourself. The church at large has a biblical mandate to serve the needs of the community. Advancing Vibrant Communities researches those needs, then finds volunteers with the skills and passions to meet those needs. The very first story that Mike told about ABC involves serving one of my church members whose needs I could not meet within my own community. And in that moment, God humbled me and asked me to open my heart and really listen. And as I saw the setup of the database, I realized that AVC is a wonderful partner with my own congregation. It helps us be more effective. This organization comes along and says, I'll do a lot of the groundwork and we'll discover the needs. And then those folks in your congregation who desire to be a part and who have these skills can volunteer. AVC partners with over 80 community and government agencies to help meet the needs of the city. We network with organizations like Habitat for Humanity, the American Red Cross, Salvation Army, the Area Agency on Aging, the School District, and the Police Department. Habitat and AVC is a perfect match in that we both have common missions of helping people get out of the four walls of the church, getting out into the community and helping others. AVC serves volunteers by finding ways for them to help others. AVC serves the needy through volunteer efforts with love, grace, mercy, and compassion. AVC serves churches by augmenting efforts to reach out and meet the needs of their neighbors. AVC serves businesses by helping create healthy neighborhoods, by connecting employees with opportunities to volunteer, and by providing opportunities to donate goods and services to legitimate needs in the community. You know, some of us can do donate a little money, some a little time, some one or the other or both. It really touched my heart that these strangers were interested in me and what I needed in my life. You know, it's not only hearing it, but it's seeing them, and it's being there in person and seeing the, the need that they have and hopefully being able to do something about it. I will tell you, as you know, your chief of police in the city of Modesto, we need your help in the community making a difference. Volunteer, I know we can put you to work. And I, I promise you, if you get involved, you'll feel better. You'll be happier. How can we partner with you to meet the needs of our city? We ask you to consider monthly financial support and to help recruit more volunteers. Advancing Vibrant Communities. Faith in action. Pure, simple, proven effective. Carrying out the biblical mandate to love our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you. And we're back with you at Lighthouse Live. Pastor Mike, Elaine, and our very special guest, Nikki Lane from the Modesto's Homeless Shelter uh, on 9th and D Streets, and Lee Oakey, a volunteer, and, and a very important part of the, the service that takes place there, as well as Paul Hewitt. Just so glad that all of you are here, and especially you, dear friend, listening at home or wherever you may happen to be listening to this broadcast. It's just a, a wonderful, um, wonderful uh, studio guest that we have uh, with us tonight and a wonderful reason that we're 
all here. Nikki, I have a question about the physical needs of some of the people who come there to receive shelter and receive the dinners that takes place at the homeless shelter. Many of them uh, are in need of medical attention. Can you address that issue that you you see there? We have um, a place called Golden Valley, which does health care for homeless people. And it's limited health care. It's not complete. Well, they have doctors, but they're only there four days a week. It's not 24-hour, like, emergency services or anything like that. But a lot of them do have health problems, and we're able to get them in there, or if they have um, medically indigent MIA, whatever it's called, they can get help. But with the cutbacks there's going to be a, that uh, the county is doing on health care, there's going to be a lot of people that aren't getting medical treatment. So I guess my question is, are there any doctor volunteers that would volunteer <coughs> time and services? Is that something that could that be would be at? awesome. Um, we're planning on actually putting offices in the shelter when we get the new shelter built, and there will be a place for doctors and dentists and and people to come in and volunteer and their time. Let me see what other kind of professional hairdressers, people who can cut hair and help maybe with uh, picking out a wardrobe for interview, job interviews, helping uh, to put together job resumes. What do you think? That Is would that be possible? awesome. Yes. That's cool. We will have the, the space for them to do just about anything they want to do there. Lots of space. It's a huge place. And they've already got the plans drawn up. It's going to be awesome. You know, the, they those are magnificent. You know, I saw the plans uh, not not too long ago, and and uh, you know, and and again, you know, I believe right now that God, at least in our area, and I don't know how it is in your areas, folks, but God has opened up the door right now, at least in our area, to partner with government. Yes. The yes. faith-based community right now has a perfect opportunity to partner with government while they're open to it and you can take you know this michael newdow stuff and you know just you know that's him you know gaining his own thing out of it but if if you look at what's happening in 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 the trenches government at least in our area is very open to working with the faith-based community and here's the key folks is as long as we're not looking to have to control it. If we come in as a servant and just say, look, there are some deep resources within the faith-based community, within our church here, and we're going to come as a servant humbly and just offer our resources, ask the question, what do you need? So oftentimes what we do is say, well, this is what we think you need, and we're going to give it to you, which oftentimes is not helpful. It builds resentment, and that's a whole other show. But, you know, to, to, to come in humbly and just say, Hey, we, we've got some resources. What do you need? And we'll see if we can find it. Man, that sends a great message. And I'm telling you, now is the time to make that offer, while at least in our political environment, it's still legal for government to partner with the church. <laughs> you know, and that concept, Mike, holds true no matter what community yeah, you happen yeah, to live right. in. And, Nikki, um, as you look at the dates on the calendar that you want to fill each and every night, seven days a week, um, what would you encourage people to do? They need to call you, probably? Yes. Yes, and that number would be? 525 that's 209-525-8954. I should know that by heart. I got <laughs> quite a bit. But um, when, you, uh, when you do call that number, um, what can you expect, Nikki? What kinds of things do, do they need to know? 
when they call. Just to ask for me, and I can tell them everything that needs to be, um, what they need to bring and everything. We still don't have the kitchen, so it's going to be. It's going to be everything. Everything from going out planning it. Lee can attest to that. You you plan what are you going to serve, and you purchase the food or have it donated or however that happens. Get your team together because I think when we were there, how many people did you have? About ten, twelve people, and and everybody had kind of a, a a position, and and it just it worked like clockwork. It just really really worked. Yes, I think we had ten the first night, and there's something even handing a napkin or a fork. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it can get very busy and very intense once they're being fed. I think my job was squirting mustard, and that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so you were the best like, mustard squirter. <laughs> it was uh, all over me and everybody else at it, but it was it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Nikki, we just you know so appreciate the the job that you're doing there, and we know that you yourself personally have dealt with some some uh, medical issues, and you're working through that. And we just want you to know that you're in our hearts and in our prayers. And if there's anything Amen. in addition to the prayers uh, that we can do for you. We hope that you will never hesitate to, to let us know. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I, I remember the f- first morning that all the neighbors showed up over there. Nikki and I were there, and these people were all stressed out and wondering what's going to happen next, you know. And and we assured them that we were going to be good neighbors there in the in the community. And to the best of my knowledge, we haven't created any problems as far as... Um, neighbors around the businesses and things because we have all these people all supervised mm-hmm. very carefully at night. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be out there breaking anybody's business over here across right. the street. So it's been a real positive thing to have this there in the area. And I think we've quelled some of their fears, hopefully. That's, that's a good point, Well, and, and here's the thing. You know, Nikki and, and Paul, you've learned a lot. Over the past couple of years, and I'm sure some of it through trial and error, you know, <laughs> some of it perhaps through divine revelation, but some of it also, you know, you've made some of the mistakes and you've also learned from those and have been able to, uh, to, uh, you know, cut some new paradigms. And I would imagine if folks are interested in talking to you that you could share some of your experience and, uh, wherever they are located, you know, uh, provide some wisdom, uh, from them so they don't have to start from scratch. And maybe we can give them that phone number one more time, Elaine, if, uh, you have questions on how this works and maybe some wisdom um, from uh, Nikki, why feel free to call. Call Nikki Lane at 209-525-8954. Again, friends, that number is 209-525-8954. Nikki Lane, Paul Hewitt, Lee Oki, uh, on behalf of all of us here at Lighthouse Life, thank you for sharing your hearts and thank you for serving the way that you do. Dear friends at home, thank you for listening in. Until next time, have a great week and may God continue to bless you as you reach out and personally meet the needs of your neighbors. God bless you.